Tech Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. Hello and welcome in. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. I'm Tom Bastek, and alongside of me, as always, I am Mike Jacobs, and together we are the game show guys. Good morrow, Tom. I think I say good morrow every time. I need to, not every to, time, but every once in a while, I you definitely do. I, I need to try and mix up my my morning greetings. Uh, Your morning greetings. <laughs> <laughs> a tip of the hat to you, good sir. Yeah, good, 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 good pre-lunch, uh, sir. How are you? <laughs> mm, yes, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great, man. It's been uh, been a, a slight uh, couple of weeks here since we've uh, been together. Yeah, well, I mean, we've often talked about how we're <laughs> human beings with lives, and this isn't our full-time job, so, you know, sometimes a uh, week will slip by. It happens. It uh, it does indeed. Uh, we have a lot of really cool things lined up for you, though, so thanks for, um, well, I guess, waiting for us to come back. Um, Mike, uh, anything that you've been up to over the last couple of weeks that you'd like to share? Uh, well, I just, I mean, not necessarily much on a personal level, very uneventful here in the Jacobs household. Um <laughs> A new album by 1914 came out yesterday, so I'm sure black metal fans are excited about that. Nice. By the way, there is never a day that's unexciting in the Jacobs household. Please. please. Well, okay. I, it's, I suppose it's all a matter of uh, relativity, right? <laughs> Perspective, I guess you could uh, yes, say. Yes, uneventful yeah. for us is probably still pretty eventful for most people. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think what's great is that even though we've had this uh, downtime and missed week, uh, we are still operating and uh we have a couple irons in the fire that are uh solidifying and ready to come out we have some awesome interviews uh lined up um ready to come for the next couple weeks of shows so uh this is very very exciting yeah i don't know do you do you want me to uh do you want me to spill the beans on who we've got coming up or would you like me to just leave it at that i say let's spill the beans on the shows but not who is coming well, we do have uh, two very big shows. Uh, one in the world of reality uh, competition shows uh, slash game show. You know, it kind of falls under that, but it's such a big show mm-hmm. that it it need we need to actually do it because it really did change the the face of of television for a while. And that's American Idol. Absolutely, I, I would argue maybe the most influential of the like competition shows. Um, sure, certainly among the most popular. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we'd be remiss if, if we didn't mention that one. Yeah. I mean, everything that came from that, where, whether it's America's Got Talent and, you know, The Voice and all these other ones that have come mm-hmm. out of that. And now we've got all these terrible ones like The Masked Singer and yeah, Alternate Avatar Reality, whatever. one or whatever. Yeah. I Avatar, mean, they're, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're uh. terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> uh, so we have, a, we have uh, someone uh, from that show that we're going to be interviewing. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then also coming up is uh, Mike and I's probably go-to game show right now, which is Holy Moly. A certainly current favorite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that there's not an episode of Holy Moly that I miss where I will say I miss Price is Right. I miss Jeopardy occasionally. You know, I mean, the I don't watch them with the fervor yeah. uh, that I do with Holy Moly. Agreed. And so, you know, it's another one where I think we're doing that one uh, as a uh, gift to ourselves. Uh, but I'm super <laughs> excited that we got an interview lined up 
for it so that it's not just us being like, oh, I love this show. We have, we'll have real content. It's very exciting. Yeah, no, we've got a very, very special guest that's going to join us uh, for that one. Uh, details to come next week uh, in our trailer. So uh, be listening for that <clears throat> after this week's game show, which is also not necessarily a game show. It's more of a culinary competition show. Mm. But again, mm. it was kind of the face of culinary competitions before there were culinary competitions, and that's Top Chef. Okay, so I purposefully did not prep you for me bumping this question right here, right now, but I wanted to do this. Okay. Do you now agree with me that Survivor is not a game show? Survivor is still a game show. Okay. It It, it is a competi- reality competition show, but it falls within the game show. You're saying that's a subcategory of game show i think all these are i think american idol is i think top chef is cutthroat kitchen falls in that same category which we've talked about already um but they're all to me still game shows okay gotcha i'll 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 talk about this a little bit more when we get into the gameplay but i i was what i was just wondering without any prep if you had had the same reaction to watching this as i had uh given our you know almost three season history with this show um it seems not, or maybe you did, and and are still sticking with your guns. We'll talk about it a little bit more later. But I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up unprompted to see what your response was. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and and again, uh, I'm not saying that I couldn't be swayed. And I think in our very first episode, I even may have said that that you know, I'm not saying I can't be swayed in the other direction, but I'm pretty sure that I have a feeling that deep down inside, I still feel Survivor is a game show. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, and it may be, I, and it may be that million dollar prize that keeps that keeps that going in my brain. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I got to say, I have, uh, you know, the needle has moved more on my end than I think it has on yours in that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to come around to the idea that it could be considered a subcategory of game show. Uh, sure. But again, you know, we've beat. This well, I mean, around, and, so. and, and, you know, I think the biggest one that really proved it more than anything was Cutthroat Kitchen is really a game show. Yes. And it's really a cooking show. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. that is probably a, a beautiful just just melding of the two, like even more so than, than what we're going to talk about today with Top Chef. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, we uh, should probably go right ahead and get to some news with our good friend, Mr. Christian Carrion. Woohoo. Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your very own front yard, it's time for the news. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. This is the news brought to you by buzzerblog.com. Well, one of our favorite game shows ever is getting a second season. Fox's Name That Tune, hosted by Jane Krakowski, is, uh, is renewed for a second season. Now, I'm trying to figure out why they're doing this. I I can only assume it's something to do with COVID, but the second season is filming in Ireland. And it doesn't seem like they're going to make a big deal on the show about the fact that they're in Ireland. They're looking for Irish audience members. There are a couple of casting notices out looking for audience members. Um, I can only assume, and it's a weird state of affairs if the TV industry is such that it's cheaper to fly everybody to Ireland and do the show. Um, but that's what we're looking at for the second season of Name That Tune. And really, it can only go uphill, can't it? Well, and I feel like this is not the first time we've talked about an American game show filming in another country. I mean, obviously, the Canada thing we've talked about many times. But am I wrong in thinking that there's something else current? Australia. Filming? There was something that was filming right? in Australia because they had no COVID cases. I remember that. Okay. 
Well, that's obviously flipped. <laughs> yeah, th- there have been a few shows that over the past year and a half or so have have gone to other countries, um, and even pre-COVID. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm a lot of the times, especially you know, since Millionaire in the early 2000s, when a show from another country makes the jump over here, sometimes it's cheaper to fly the American host and crew to the foreign set than it is to build a carbon copy of the foreign set in America and do the whole thing. Um, so sense. it's not unheard of altogether. But um, I, I, I can't imagine, and maybe I'm just not up on my numbers, but I can't imagine how that name that tune was popular enough that one we're getting a second season that's what blew me away two they're going through all the extra hassle of filming it in another country i'm just i i'm i'm baffled by this one i i can make a couple of guesses and the first guess would be is i don't know who the production company is that's putting it on um but they may have offices over there and it may be cheaper for them to actually produce over there and it could be a rights thing with music rights because it's named that tune that may be uh as well and the third thing that makes me think of is, again, I don't know, they have low Delta variant numbers, possibly. I mean, I don't know. Are they worried about striking uh, cast members, uh, you know, crew members? I mean, there's uh, there's a thousand reasons. Who the hell knows? Those are all actually very good insights because I've also heard recently that either Fox or Sony uh, are opening a hub of unscripted entertainment in Europe. So looking to kind of branch out to other countries and bring some original formats. So maybe that maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe they're just afraid of Americans striking and they're going to give all those jobs to the Europeans. <laughs> or maybe it just has a bunch of four-leaf clovers. It's luckier. Oh, there it is. I don't see how you can... Rec- the one thing I, I found interesting is you said they're not necessarily going to um, like, in, like speak about it you know, or like make it a big deal. But if you're requesting everybody in your audience be Irish, they're going to have to do something about it. They're going to have to say something because everyone's going to have an Irish accent. Yeah, why the hell is everybody singing Danny Boy for the bonus round? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right, Christian, what else you got for us? Well, you know, we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, and in the past couple of weeks, we've had the fall of Jeopardy! champion Matt Omodio, who... Uh, <laughs> I, again, I, I was fascinated by his run, fascinated by how well he would, especially considering, one, he's from my neck of the woods. He's from New Haven, Connecticut. Right. Two, right. I used to play trivia at the same bar where he used to play trivia. I don't know that I've ever played really? against him, but there was a place called The Playwright in Hamden, Connecticut. That's, it was right down the street from my, from my alma mater from Southern Connecticut State. And he used to play trivia there all the time. Again, I don't know if we've ever been there together. But I've definitely played trivia at the playwright, so I feel like I know him in a way. Um, (laughs) Here's my question. You said the fall. The fall of Matt. Dude, that man did not fall. He got (laughs) off at the top floor is what he did. That's true. The funny thing to me about Jeopardy is that even somebody who wins like 40 games in a row, when they lose, it's like, oh, you idiot. Of course. Of course that was the one. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, this guy, 38 games, $1.5 million in winnings. I mean, he is now the second longest-running champion in Jeopardy! history. Brings um, our old friend James Holzhauer down to third place. Um, Mm. And I don't think it's going to be the last we see of this guy. Well, I was going to say, if we're giving James Holzhauer things like the chase, I mean, it seems like this guy's up in those same echelon. I mean, I I would even think he would be better at extracurricular things than somebody like James who I think I, I I like James I think he's great at the game I think as far as being a TV personality he's a little awkward I think mm. this guy is infinitely more personable and I think that if that is the avenue he chooses to go down which um, it very well may be a lot of these 
big time Jeopardy champions seem to want to do that. Well, we're we're definitely going to see him come back for Tournament of Champions for we, sure. We definitely will. But I think we're even even beyond Jeopardy. I think we have not seen the last of Madame Odio. All right. Is it now time for the amazing This Week in Game Show History? It is time for the amazing This Week in Game Show History. Yes. And this is All this right. one's this one's a spooky one. This Ooh, uh-oh. Appropriate for the season. October 31st, 1983, and the creation of a Frankenstein of game show history. This is oh the premiere of the match game Hollywood Squares Hour. Oh boy. So in the yeah. mid-80s, there was this idea to take the two most popular celebrity-based game shows. So you had the MASH game hosted by Gene Rayburn. You had Hollywood Squares hosted by Peter Marshall. The idea was to combine them into an hour-long show. Now, The Price is Right had been really, really, really successful with an hour format for a while. And other shows had tried to do it. Wheel of Fortune, believe it or not, for a while did an hour-long version to compete with The Price is Right. And it just didn't go. Um, and... This one didn't go either, and it had a lot of things working against it. First of all, you had Gene Rayburn, who came back to host the Match Game segment. Now, Peter Marshall, the original host of the Hollywood Squares, was under contract to another company. He was doing a show called Fantasy, like a sort of... Uh, I don't know what you'd compare it to, but it was like a sort of human interest kind of half game show sort of thing. Anyway, to replace him, they got John Bauman from Sha Na Na to host the Hollywood Squares <laughs> segment. <laughs> Good night, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Bowser. Yeah. And so <laughs> it sounds horrible on paper. But on television, it was even more horrible. He was a terrible host. (laughs) And actually, Mark Goodson used to take him to dinner at least once a week and just try to teach him how to be a good host. And it just never took. Gene Rayburn was just so angry having to co-host the show with this guy. Because he he was a clown. And this is... I mean... The guy himself, like, I've had the pleasure of talking to John Bauman. Uh, he is an incredibly intelligent and unbelievably cool guy. But mm-hmm. um, he definitely did not look his best on the on, on this particular show. Um, and the host, you know, like, the hosting was just one of the th- bad things going for this show. The other one was that, you know, Hollywood Squares is a game that's based on bluffing. The idea is that a, a celebrity gets a question if they know it they give the answer if they don't they try to bluff and they try to make the contestant think that they know the answer or don't know the answer however mark goodson insisted on playing this game a hundred percent honest so didn't hire any comedy writers didn't have any jokes any zingers any bluffs all the questions were multiple choice and so they're you know, 90% of the humor of the game was sapped from it because this was now celebrities actually trying to answer questions that they probably don't know. Um, and I think on one of the last episodes, Gene Rayburn, who used to be one of the squares during the Hollywood Squares portion of it, mm-hmm. he even said something out loud like, uh, you know, I guess I'll have to just make a guess, which isn't supposed to be the point of this game. You're supposed to know it or bluff. but And so... There was just tension on screen, tension backstage between the host, the celebrities. You had all these like coke-headed 80 celebrities who were just hogging the camera and there was <laughs> never like a cohesive panel. The set was great. It, uh, the show lasted maybe 100 or so episodes and nobody ever thought we'd see it again. But this year, to coincide with Halloween, uh, Buzzer, the TV channel, has brought it back from the dead and they're airing. <laughs> Two episodes a day of the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. And if you could sit through it, I will personally arrange 
to have to tell them what they've won enamel pin sent to you. <laughs> because it is so hard to sit through an episode of the Mash Game Hollywood Squares Hour. It's so cringy and it's so just not fun. But You better watch that promise, though, because the enamel pins are very expensive. We went with very much not enamel pins. <laughs> All right. I'll add, a dis- I'll, I'll, I'll add a disclaimer at the end. Uh, yeah, the other thing is we could also just draw with like some highlighters the logo and put it in the mail to you too. There we go. That's cool. And we'll just we'll just tape a safety pin to it. There you go, Greg. So I I feel like we've we've talked about these shows in the past, so I'm not gonna rehash how it's like basically my least favorite game show ever. But I what is the difference like how is this branded as a single show the match games hollywood square hour as opposed to just one show airing after the other like they don't actually cross over in any way right it is just one and then the other am i wrong well they do cross over actually so the show started with two contestants playing match game the winner of a round of match game went on to face the returning champion on hollywood squares in the second half and then mm. whoever won that game played the bonus round from the match game again and switched back. And actually, that was one of the cool parts of this show was the set. So, you know, it started with the match game. So you had the three celebrities on one tier and the three underneath. When it came time for Hollywood Squares, a third portion of it would swing out and all of a sudden it would become Hollywood Squares. It was mm. really, really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot more sense to me now. I just I never really understood why. Just two share shows that aired together were branded as the same show, but that that makes more sense. Oh man! And then in the middle of it, the host would do this thing where they would uh, Gene Rayburn would toss the mic to the other host. It was the most oh, horrible eighties oh, nice. thing ever. Oh god! Like off the screen toss? Like no, no, no! Like on the screen, like oh, to god. like to each other. Yep. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know, it, it makes me think of what two shows that we'd love to see combined, like. Like you were so used to, at least on the East Coast anyway, of having Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune run back to back. But can right. you imagine a, a mashup of those? Oh, that would be insane. See, like this, I feel like this is. That'd be interesting because it's like two different disciplines, I feel like. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, this is the thing that like I would, I would want to like sit down and try and plot out. I don't think it's something I could just come up off with on the spot. But like the idea of combining game shows and making a full new game show of both elements is. I like that idea. It's uh, it's definitely uh, something we should uh, maybe come back to at some point in the future. That's for sure. Indeed. Well, thank you for another exciting This Week in Game Show History, Christian. It is now time that we stump you. Oh, here we go. All right. Or or trump myself. All right. So this yeah. one is <laughs> it's an interesting fact, and I want to see if you know this, um, but it's also like kind of unwieldy, and I don't really know how to ask it as a question. So I think as I've done in the past, I'm just gonna like sort of stumble my way through it, and we'll help you with any clarifying questions that I, you know, may have. In, in other words, we're totally setting you up for success. <laughs> Listen, well, that's gonna make that's gonna make two of us stumbling through it. Let's go. All right. Set them up. So Top Chef is our show of the week, right? All right. So I I found this interesting thing that. Uh, the same category of dish is uh, responsible for the most challenges being won, but also the most people being eliminated. The same oh. style of dish. And by style of dish, I'm not saying lasagna or beef stroganoff. I'm saying, you know, appetizer. Category. or Yeah, appetizer or Thanksgiving dinner, like a, a, a broader category of dinner. 
when I say dinner. That's not the correct answer, so I'll go ahead and eliminate that. Uh, but okay. again, so if I were talking about dinner, dinner would have both eliminated the most amount of contestants and one contestants the most amount of challenges. Now, Mike, I, d- I don't know the answer to this, but if Christian gets it wrong, I'd like to guess. Okay. Now, here's oh. the best part is that the next down in those categories, as in the second most challenges that have been won and the second most contestants being eliminated are also both of the same category. Wow. So if you can come up with either one of them, um, that I... I, I just wanted to work both of those facts into the show somehow. So um, nice. I think you know what I've asked. But again, if you have any questions, if I've, if I've made it confusing, let me know. All right. Well, let me just clarify. So we're asking for a certain type of like a category of meal, something along the lines of dinner. Like if there was a list of meal types, dinner would be on this list along with this thing that you're asking for. Um, I would. So that's why I didn't want to use the term meal because that implies breakfast, lunch, dinner, and that's pretty much it, right? You got brunch, you got maybe a couple other things in there that you could think of. Um, so you're looking at all the different courses during the meal. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I got I got a real good guess for this one. Huh. Well, I have no basis of knowledge for this, so I am going to guess. <laughs> So, by the way, we didn't expect you to have a base of knowledge for this, but God bless you. Go ahead. So, uh, honestly, my, my guess, and I, I'm hoping, again, I'm hoping I am understanding the question correctly. My guess would be dessert or cake. Uh, dessert is indeed the correct answer. Are you serious? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew I knew it was dessert. That was my guess as well. 33 challenges have been won because of dessert, uh, and 11 people have been eliminated from dessert. Okay, so Mike, the next one? Yes. I also know what type of meal, like what... Like if you talk Italian, Mexican, whatever, oh, uh, like seafood seafood is the number one um, dish that has eliminated people when people try to prepare seafood. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's an interesting fact. But uh, so, what's the second one? Well, that's what I was going to see if you had a guess on that. Oh, well, if dessert was the first one, Christian, you got anything? Uh, well, by the way, we're already calling it chumped. You got this correct because I. Oh yeah, the, absolutely. The, you're yeah. you're 100 right. Well, then my um, my then my guess is uh, second dessert. My, my, mine would be mine would be breakfast. No, uh, soup. In fact, soup. soup. Oh, the oh. soup. Okay. How do you mess up soup? What are you gonna do to mess up a soup? Twenty-five challenges have been won with a soup. Eight challenges or eight chefs have been eliminated because of a soup. Dude, I, and, and and Christian, this is as good a time as any to talk about um, to talk about this week's show, which is Top Chef. But if you've seen the show, you know that sometimes people just try to make stuff way fancier than they need to, and it it ends up in their elimination. Like. Don't screw up the basics of a grilled cheese. Don't like ter- try to deconstruct it, you know, 62 different ways. And then people are like, I don't even see grilled cheese here anymore. You this know? is very true. And I feel like Top Chef is one of the few cooking shows, cooking reality shows that becomes a sort of psychological warfare as opposed to ju- a pure cooking tournament. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of mind games at play. I have a very soft spot in my heart for cooking shows my uh, my mother-in-law that's that's all she watches and mm-hmm. i i was i was i was i was exposed to a lot of them over the course of the past couple of years so I, I i do enjoy top chef as well as all of the other you know cooking competitions and all that yeah we we discuss it at pretty long length later on the idea of the um psychological warfare that goes on in this show yeah, I, there's there's definitely drama um, in this show, whereas a lot of the other cooking shows are really more about the cooking than the drama. This has 
a lot of drama in it. As it should. You're being you're you're competing to be the top chef. There should be some drama. <laughs> you know, I I I don't think this man could say a bad word about any show that we bring to him. You know that, Mike? Well, so that's the thing is I remember having a conversation a while ago where I said I don't think there are any zeros and Christian responded, "Oh, I could show you some zeros." But it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> my offer still stands by the way no that's coming don't worry okay. christian i promise you and i will promise all of our audience members that next season we will get to the zero we'll have a zeros episode we got to do it at some point right oh it's gonna be great i can't wait and, and that's gonna be the most fun because you're just gonna be bringing us this total and complete garbage garbage that we're just gonna be watching and and you know, we may even discord some of that just for some live, some live reactions. <laughs> I feel like we should live stream it. And I feel like the only rule should be you have to, we have to watch the entire thing. Okay, we, uh, we could yeah, almost I'm mystery science. That. We could mystery science theater pretty good. I think I would All love right. to do that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's great. Any other thoughts on Top Chef? Uh, it's a great show. One of my favorite shows of all time. Nice. Very good. Uh, they're always <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. We love them. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, before we let you go, uh, let's talk uh, real quick. Mike and I both had the opportunity to listen to it this week. Auld Lang Gone. Uh, for those of who, you who haven't listened to the promos that have been running and haven't heard us talk about it, Christian, will you describe it to the folks uh, out there again? Of course. About a year ago, I wrote a series of articles for buzzerblog.com about uh, Auld Lang Gone, the supposed lost episode of the 90s PBS game show Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Uh, my initial research led me down this insane rabbit hole in which I've talked to just about every person alive that worked on Carmen Sandiego, uh, Mark Summers of Double Dare, who was rumored to have hosted the Lost episode, the original host of the show, Greg Lee, the creator of the show, Howard Blumenthal. I've just been, I, it, it, I've been in over my head with all this research, and as a result, the articles came out great. Everyone loved them. Um, this year, to celebrate not only the one-year anniversary of those articles, but the 30-year anniversary of the premiere of the original Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, I've uh, created... Well, what I'm calling an audio documentary. So it's a, a, so it's a retelling of those articles. I, I like to think I've added some more dimension to it. You know, all of the people who uh, helped me with the initial research for the articles gave me their voices for this. Um, it just came out incredible. I'm unbelievably proud of it. And yeah, all the Lang Gone, the lost Carmen San Diego, and that's available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google, any other podcast app and buzzerblog.com as well right plus we'll have the link up on our website too mike yeah i was just say proud you should be my friend it is uh just excellently done um i got serious this american life vibes from it like um it just not only is it a good story well told but it's like well produced you very clearly uh you know you have a knack for for putting this kind of stuff together, and um, I was very, very, very impressed with it. Thank you very. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. My wife was a little upset at the ending. What she happened with read, the ending? She hadn't read the articles. She didn't know how it oh, ended. Oh, she did. Yeah, you know what's funny? I, and and I'm 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 meeting a bunch of people online now who hadn't read the articles originally. You know, we had a listening party at Buzzer Blog on our Twitch channel, um, right. where you know where I played it the night before uh, I, I released it, and it was really interesting to watch in the chat the reactions of the people who have no idea, you know, how it ends and where it goes. Um, I'm I'm very happy that this that the uh, that the story is as exciting for people who have read the articles as it is for people who have no idea what they're getting into. Well, and that's interesting as 
that's one of those things. I, I didn't even think about listening to it from the point of view of not knowing what happens at the end. But, like, it's almost got to be like watching Star Wars without knowing that Vader is Luke's father or something, right? Like, like <laughs> what? Spoiler a, alert. Well, I, oh, yeah. Okay. Like, anyone doesn't know that. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> thanks, like, Mike. What a, like, a wonderful, fresh way to approach that story. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of people that get to listen to it without knowing the full story. Well, we're not going to say any more about it. All we're going to say is take some time and listen to it. Yeah. It's what, What's what's runtime? About an hour, Christian? Yeah, about an hour. Yep. Yeah, and All, it's great. Yeah. Worth, and I, worth your time. And, and, and I should also mention um, the very special thanks to Rockapella, the original acapella group who sang the theme song for re-recording their music for me. Um, that's in there as well. So if you want to hear some new Rockapella, go check it out. Nice. That's great. They re-recorded for you. That's fantastic. All right. How about before we go, of course, a plug for those famous people over there at Buzzer, Buzzer Blog. Of course, buzzerblog.com, the number one game show website in the world. Whether you're looking for information on new series, returning series, casting, anything relating to the worlds of unscripted entertainment, game, and reality television, buzzerblog.com is the place to go, and I hope you check it out. Thank you, Christian, so much. As always, we'll see you again next week. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, and uh, if you have a question that you'd like to submit for Stump or Chump, you can always send it to us through social or on our website at tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. And it, as we talked about with Christian, uh, please uh, give a listen to uh, Auld Lang Gone. It, it's a really nice, uh, really nice piece. Indeed. Very, very, very good. Okay, Mike. Well, coming up, we've got our featured game show, which is Top Chef, and the gameplay is our next segment. Would you like to take us out? I would indeed, Tom. Thank you. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. There it is, the theme song from Top Chef, and uh, or the intro, if you will. Um, Mike, it's our featured show of the week. Uh, what's your thoughts as we get into the uh, gameplay here? Yeah, so I was going to say, like we sort of talked about earlier, before we get started on the gameplay, I, I like that we waited for so long to get into these competition style shows because for me uh as i mentioned earlier like i i when i was watching this i really had the realization that like i do think i'm right that these are should be distinctly different than game shows having the history of almost three seasons behind us of watching like more traditional game shows and even uh you know dipping our toes in the competition waters with amazing race and fear factor and things like that um I feel like this was the first show that really vividly demonstrated the difference between the two. Like, as you watch this show, you can immediately tell the difference in tone, production style, um, like the way it's executed, the way the game is presented, the way the game lasts an entire season as opposed to just an episode. Um, I, you know, I, I again like, or not, not like, but I'm not going to argue against the idea of it being a subcategory but just the Mm -hmm. the sheer difference that this struck particularly uh 
I went and just started from the beginning and watched the first season, first episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, and yeah. for that episode, there's a lot of introduction and like there's a, you know, do you deserve to be here game and that sort of stuff. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm seeing the gaminess here. And then it did the coming up next segment, you know, the next time on Top Chef uh, mm-hmm. thing they do at the end, the little teaser. Um, oh, yeah. That was just immediately the the linchpin for me where I was like, no, th- this is exactly what I'm talking about, where the competition is not a game, right? The game is the relations between the other people and psyching each other out. And like in the coming up next, they all turn into such dickheads and all they're doing is talking down to each other and insulting each other. And they're playing that social interaction game yeah that and, that big brother yes. survivor kind of feel i definitely yes. agree with that and, yeah. and yeah. regardless of my opinion of that being you know i don't i don't enjoy that uh to me that is a distinctly different um you know air a quality to the show you know what i'm saying it it, it get, it's a different flavor than game show to me i i definitely think it takes a different a different view, but it's also what we hated the most of Cutthroat Kitchen because Cutthroat Kitchen really was really cool because they had all those things where you could screw the other person kind of thing, you know? Right. Um, but we both hated the way that they were like, I'm going to take you down. And you could tell that that was so scripted and so mm-hmm. done to like, to like beef it up. And you know, at, at some point we're going to do an interview with my, my friend, chef Jennifer, who actually was on that and won. Nice. Um, and I want to talk to her about, uh, that whole p- part of like the poo-pooing the other people, and you know the sad thing is, is to me that's only one show, and I think they're doing it to like to like egg, you know to get the the drama up a little bit. In Top Chef, it really is a thing, you know, like yes. they're really trying to psych each other out. Yes. Well, okay, so that's what I was going to say. Is in in Cutthroat Kitchen, not only is it like kind of forced, um, but it could actually be detrimental, right? Like if you. Uh, use one of your sabotages just to get back at somebody, and then the other mm-hmm. person has no sabotages and wins. It's like, well, what was the point of that? Um, right, right, right. There's consequence for there's consequence for your hatred, basically. Yes, exactly. But in this one, it's it is a integral part of the game. Yeah, and I I definitely see why you don't think that that that's game showy. You know, like that yes. that isn't like that's a typical that's game reality show. showy to me. But it, either yeah. way, the reason why I want the 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 umbrella reason why i wanted to bring this all up at the beginning is because like i say that is a gameplay element of this but that's not what i'm going to be talking about when i discuss gameplay for me i wanted to just discuss the game the whole i'm not here to make friends thing i think that applies universally to all these reality competition shows and isn't necessarily worth discussing in a gameplay no and, and the truth is although it is part of the gameplay you're right it's not the gameplay we're referring to we're talking about game show gameplay yep exactly so that like we're talking about the mechanics of the game exactly we're not talking about the drama that's added in there as well because by the way there is that kind of drama too with you know intimidation in in like um in wheel of fortune or in jeopardy and you know where one person starts winning really big and kind of poo-poos the other person or whatever yeah you know sure. there there there's is a little bit a of that intimidation psychological like, warfare <laughs> yeah but there's not to the point where like this drama is and and we'll see more of that we'll talk more about that later on but for for the time being let's talk about the actual mechanics of the gameplay of top chef all right so we have uh starting with 
somewhere between 12 and 19 chefs, depending on the season that you're watching. Um, but the, the competition is going to take place over the course of the whole season, right? So uh, the chefs are chosen by audition, and um, they seem to have kind of disparate skill levels. Uh, we've, we talked about this in the other cooking shows that we did where they're getting people who are not just home chefs, but they're also not the Gordon Ramsay's of the world, right? They're not award-winning chefs. They're low-level restaurant workers. Uh, but then there was one guy that was like a top sommelier at a restaurant in Vegas. Uh, and then right. there were a couple people who had no kitchen experience whatsoever. Um, so again, it seems to all be based on what you presented in the audition as opposed to, you know, what your background is. Um, And then so over the course of the season, each episode is going to consist of two challenges primarily. Um, One is what they refer to as the quick fire challenge. And then that is followed up with an elimination challenge. So for the quick fire challenge, it's kind of what it sounds like. It's just a low key, uh, you know, challenge for lack of a better word um and it's meant to either provide immunity for the elimination challenge or perhaps grant a bonus prize uh the bonus prize idea is typically later on in the season as people have been eliminated um and they may not necessarily want to provide eliminate pardon me provide immunity immunity from an elimination that is incredibly difficult to say (laughs) i now i have a lot of more respect for the hosts of shows like this to say we will provide (laughs) you immunity from the elimination round all right yeah there you go there we go so yes quick fire (laughs) challenge uh for, for this think about you know just a typical cooking show right it's make a dish within specific parameters within a specific timeline maybe you have these ingredients that you have to use uh you know maybe it has to be specifically a thanksgiving dinner something like that right nothing nothing too high key nothing too difficult um the the main thing that's different between this and a reality show i mean sorry, a typical cooking competition show is there's nothing really stopping them, right? Cutthroat Kitchen has the challenges. Uh, Chopped, you've got the bizarre uh, combination of ingredients. This is all about doing the best that you can, presenting the absolute best quality product that you can. It's not about who's going to screw up the most. It's who's going to do the best, right? Um. And so, again, they they make this sort of baseline, you know, simple. I don't want to say simple because it's not always simple, but it's not as complex as the next round. Uh, And then they go through the typical uh, sort of cooking show idea of a guest judge comes in. They're going to taste and critique the dishes, and then they will determine the winner, who, as I mentioned earlier, typically is going to get immunity in the elimination challenge. So they will go into the next round knowing they are not going to lose. Right. Uh, the elimination challenge is now taking that sort of same concept, but we're cranking it up to 11, right? We have a much more complex dishes. Things are going to require way more time, sometimes days, uh, in fact. Um, much more skilled things. Uh, you know, uh, we're talking here foods that require much more finesse that could fail easily. Uh, dishes that have maybe multiple courses or multiple parts to them. Um, and then they often will have maybe an additional kind of twist. Uh, not uh, when I say twist, I'm not saying, uh, you know, the guy's grocery game style of twist. I'm just saying maybe they have to work in teams or they're assigned a sous chef or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, 
again, the idea here is not to make it so that the people are failing. It's to make it challenging to see who can produce the best results. Um, one thing I found most interesting about the elimination challenge, and I want to read this quote directly from Wikipedia. Um, sure. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I mean, Wikipedia just writes stuff, right? So I don't know where this is quoting from. But, quote, ingredients for elimination challenges generally allow chefs access to the Top Chef pantry and the, and the ingredients they previously purchased at a grocery store within a specified budget and shopping time limit. That second part is really interesting to me because like we see in most cooking shows, you're, you have access to what's on the show. In this one, you can plan ahead and you have oh, yeah. a budget and you can bring in your own ingredients. So, again, the idea here is not, oh, we don't have, you know, West Jamaican fat back in our kitchen. Therefore, you can't use it. And therefore, you're being hindered in what could be your perfect dish. It's you need to make the best thing possible. We'll go get your West Jamaican fat back from wherever you need to get it. Right. Well, it's not from wherever you need to get it. Normally, they go to one grocery store, and this is some of the stuff that it developed over the course of the years. It wasn't in just year one, um, where they show them in the grocery store. You have, you know, you know, fifteen minutes go or thirty minutes go, and they're they're, you know, running around the the entire grocery store. And it's something like Whole Foods. It's something that really has like a decent amount of chef's uh, quality ingredients that you're going to find. They're they're not just going into like. The local Piggly Wiggly and shopping. Well, sure. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, that, that's good to know that it is a, a predetermined one. That, that makes a lot more sense to me. Some of that's really fun because like when they're when they're going um, in there, they're like, OK, we're doing I'm doing ribs. And the guy's like, how much ribs do you have in the store? And the, and then the sh- and the and the guy behind the counter is like, uh, I've got 40 pounds. He's like, I'll take all 40 pounds. <laughs> and wow. and that was and, and sometimes that that's like to the point of like they're screwing somebody else from taking the same right. ribs. Yeah, that's a good. But point. it's also you got to remember also sometimes they're not cooking for just two people. They're cooking for 40, 40 people. You know, these challenges, mm-hmm. um, especially in the elimination challenge, a lot of times they like they prepare two dishes, one for one for the picture and one for the, the judges to try. And if you have yes. four four or five people at judges table, you may produce five of them so that all five of them are trying it, you know, kind of thing. But exactly. A lot of times in, in, in the quick fire and sometimes elimination, they're preparing for a whole pile of people like, Oh, well you guys are all going to be at this event and you're going to do this kind of thing. Exactly. And so beyond that, even, uh, Every, as far as I know, every season will have a restaurant wars challenge. Oh, restaurant at some wars! Point, Hell yeah! Where they're yeah, broken yeah. up into two different teams, and each team has to completely start a pop up restaurant. And so, in that case, yeah, like you say, you're cooking for, and theoretically, an entire day's worth of restaurant business. Yeah, so, and they what they do is they go out and they um they bring in like thirty or forty people for each restaurant, plus the chefs eat the the judges the judges eat at both restaurants, and hmm. they have to do everything. They have to run front of the house, and they pick somebody to run the front of the house. They uh, have to decorate the place, so they have to pick out all of the decorations and everything, including the chairs, the tables, everything. Um, so it's, it's a very, very fun. That's probably one of my favorite episodes each season is the restaurant wars one, because that's where they, they really have to run a restaurant and it. And mm-hmm. that's, and, and here's the thing that I will say when you, you talked about people with different, um, different, um, or disparate skill levels in cooking, right? As this thing moves forward, everyone's a chef, everyone, almost everyone's run their own restaurant if, or they're a sous chef at a major restaurant or, They've got 10 years of experience. Like 
when I started watching, it was like season three or season three or four, I want to say, and every single person there was an accomplished chef. You well, weren't I, dealing yeah. with people who had zero experience, right? right? Well, and so that's what I saw in season one. In the first episode, they introduced people that say no kitchen experience. I'm like, what? How do they even get this far? That's wild to me. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I theoretically, you could definitely you know go on there and have no experience, and they just liked your personality enough to put you in the show. And right. we're gonna talk about that at the very end too because that's also something that weighs in in my opinion on this being a game show which we'll we'll get to down at the end of the next segment but Fair. um it really is what's nice is that this becomes a a big thing top chef became a very big thing for a while and so you had major chefs that wanted to compete on this just to show their their stuff plus 250,000 or whatever they were getting for their their final could be the money that they needed to open up their own restaurant like they work currently for a famous chef in new york uh but they would really like to open up their own restaurant yeah. you know in new york you know and and this was the down payment for that and that's really nice to hear well and not only that uh the prizes also, at least for the first season, involved like uh, uh, you know kitchen gear and um, like you got stuff that they could actually use and yeah, need. yeah. And, well, mean, and a gig at some like fancy food event. I what I don't I didn't know what it was because I'm not that Aspen, person. It's, but it's the yeah, it's like the Aspen Food Festival. Yeah, and something you definitely like that. Get a, you get a showcase there. So yeah, and so I mean the, the amount of promotion that you get, I would imagine Huge. probably outweighs the money that you win. Yeah, I you know, and it's and it's interesting because one of the things that you also notice too is that the people who come in second, third, or fourth are getting enough popularity. They're publishing cookbooks. They're getting shows. They're you know this being on this, especially between I would say season three and whatever, maybe. 10 or whatever uh it was a big enough deal where just being on the show made you like like a, a well-known chef you know yeah, what i'm without saying without a doubt it it elevated who you were and so to me that was always fun also because like jenny and i would literally like say okay that guy's in atlanta and we really like his style we got to check him out you know kevin gillespie from atlanta who you probably have heard of i do uh, maybe yeah. maybe yep. he's he was on top chef he actually won one of the seasons oh no I kidding think. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But I, I've met him. I've eaten in his restaurants. They're great. But he's in Atlanta. And the reason why we knew who he was was because of Top Chef. Wow. There you go. So, yeah. So, I think I think to sum it up, I love the Restaurant Wars. But I also loved the idea of them going into the grocery store and getting all the unique stuff. Because, like, some of these guys, like, they're, they're, they come from an Indian um, heritage. And so, mm. they're going and looking for Indian, you know, pieces and parts in the stores and i just think that's wonderful yep well and again it just it echoes the idea that we're looking for top quality here um, absolutely and and that's that's really what the, what the judges are going to be looking for as well um and so all the judges by the way are, are going to be celebrity guest judges um to some extent again i you know i don't know any of these people but i assume they're big in the culinary world um and norm normally whoever does the elimination challenge um i mean not the yeah the uh the quick fire will also sit on for the elimination as yeah, well they, right. they sit through right um so the judges will uh you know taste critique all that kind of fun stuff and then they will bring in a top three uh for a little additional interview questions get details on the dish whatever uh and they will determine one as the winner of the elimination challenge and then they pull in a bottom three uh and you know 
I guess, critique again. Uh, I guess giving giving the people who are not eliminated a chance to see where they went wrong, but uh, ultimately eliminating a contestant, the poorest performer from the game. Um, and therefore, as with most competition shows, contestants are going to dwindle over the course of the season, uh, finally resulting in one final top chef champion. Uh, the final elimination challenge is a sort of supercharged version of it uh, where they, you know, if you're going to determine a champion, you obviously got to go big, right? Um, so they are uh, tasked with preparing a very large multi-course meal um, and they get the assistance of a sous chef, which is typically someone who has been eliminated previously throughout the season. Right. Um, and then whoever is is uh, crowned the champion uh, will get uh, the first couple seasons maybe up to season like six i think they got a hundred thousand um and it was later up to a hundred and twenty five thousand um and then like i said earlier a, you know a slew of neat stuff uh there was like kitchen ranges and and uh the the the, the food thing <laughs> that you mentioned uh, the, the food the food thing it's the yeah. aspen food festival yeah. where they you, would you, you uh, get to where they would be a feature there you get to deliver a food for Domino's, i think it is something like that um, oh, dude. Dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> i'm telling you this is this is the realm of of foodiness that i live in um, no that's and, and dude that's fine you got to remember i love to cook so this is a big this is a big thing in my household or was for a number of years so um i well, get it that you, if you don't know it you don't know it it's fine yeah well and one thing that i always find very interesting in shows like these is that um obviously you know flavor should be tantamount to everything else but or is it paramount or tantamount i don't remember which one's which anyways it should be more than everything else um mm -hmm. but i often feel like sometimes the quote-unquote class of a dish would influence a judge's opinion and it like like for example i think most chefs would look down on a mcdonald's cheeseburger as garbage food right but that doesn't change the fact that if you take a bite into it it tastes good that's what it's meant to do right like regardless of the the status of the food itself i would like to see a cooking show where you know you're making maybe not the most fancy food in the world but it's like damn that's good that's why i like guy fieri's diners drive-ins and dies i think that's what that is right it's not well, I think that's fru, also fru. different than comparing comparing a McDonald's cheeseburger too, which you well, may okay, find that's fair. Really, really wonderful, but a lot of people are like, "Oh, that is just not a good hamburger." You know, like I mean, it really is. It's not a good hamburger. I, I want to clarify: a McDonald's cheeseburger yeah. is its own. Uh, it's its own thing. It's its own but, thing. I mean, if I want a hamburger, I want a hamburger. If I want a McDonald's cheeseburger, I want a McDonald's cheeseburger. You know, I, I love I love your comparison to, to drive di, di, diners, drive-ins, and dives because I think they really do go and find some great food that you know is from a little local place out back that is really really wonderful, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a five star dining experience kind of thing. Yes, exactly. They're definitely going for. Uh, Five star dining experiences on Top Chef. There's right. no doubt about that. Which again, I'm not. I'm not trying to poo poo. I I think it's it's great, and and I love that there's you know that this community, this world exists. Uh, you know, I'm definitely not trying to talk anyone out of it. I'm just saying, as someone who cannot appreciate the the finer points of you know the culinary arts, uh, it's lost on me. And that's and that's absolutely no problem. I think I think there's a lot of shows that you know, like I don't watch a lot of shows about cars because I'm not a big motorhead. You know, like I'm, mm. 
you know those those um what are, what's the one where they uh, are always doing like top top gear top gear yeah I I I, I can't get in I can't that, either I mean, and like I know people that are absolutely wild about it. like oh it doesn't matter if you like cars or not you got to watch it and I'm like all this is is cars and I don't understand anything they're talking about <laughs> I I would definitely say if you don't get into cooking and um you don't like it uh this is probably not the show for you but I would say that if you love drama. This this could be the show for you, and we'll talk more about that at the end for sure. If you're into reality shows, this is a good one for you. Yeah, it's um, it's it's nowhere near, and 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 we'll talk more about this. Uh, it develops into more than just Susie stabbing Rachel in the back kind of thing. Like it is, and it's totally that in Survivor. Um, it does not get that bad in this. Agreed. But um, but it's still. It is what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and we'll and we'll talk more about it because uh, there's there's all kinds of other things that you haven't mentioned, Mike, that you may get to in history, which is coming up next. But um, I definitely want to talk about because it kind of it kind of starts steering me in a different direction uh, than truthfully believing that this is a game show. So we'll we'll talk more about that next. Oh boy, that's so exciting! Let's take a quick break. All right, you've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Hello. Hello. I'm Nikki, a gaming noob. And I'm Eric, a lifelong gamer. And, and we are Press, Press Any Button. Button. Press Any Button is a video game podcast hosted by two married gamers for all experience levels. In each episode, we cover a different video game's past, present, and future while adding a fun twist. That's right. We present game challenges to each other, and if it's not accomplished, that person must show off their best rapping skills. So if you like the podcast you're listening to right now, be sure to find us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome back. You're listening to America's Favorite Game Show Podcast. Tell them what they've won. This is episode number 55. We're in segment number three. Our featured game show this week is Top Chef. Although we do use the terms game show loosely here, and uh, details will follow about that. I'm Tom Bastic, of course, as always, one of the game show guys alongside of me, Mr. Mike Jacobs. Hello, Tom. Hello. Our history Mike. segment is here. All right. All right. Fantastic. Uh, n- not a lot here, but let, uh, let's have it, and then we will get to the discussion about Top Chef. Uh, yeah, not not a lot here, but a lot of spinoffs. I was flabbergasted. Dude, this show was hot, <laughs> hot for a while. It was hot I stuff. I mean, hot. Well, okay, so uh, let's just start at the start, right? It premieres on March 8th, 2006 on Bravo TV, uh, where it's going to stay for the entirety of its run, at least thus far. It is still uh, currently running, um, which, by the way, Bravo, I feel like is not a network that comes up very often. I don't think I knew it was on Bravo. I would have guessed a like NBC or something like that, but shows what I know. You know- it, it, after watching it and and seeing the drama that's there, I certainly see why Bravo picked it up. Yeah. I'm surprised that one of the cooking networks did not pull it away, uh, but instead instead came up with their own stuff, such as Cutthroat Kitchen and Chopped and all the other ones. And yeah, I you know I I didn't think about this until just now, but I'm kind of wondering where 2006 is on like the overall scale of shows like this. Like, were they a little earlier and? 
got enough money on Bravo where Bravo could then say, oh, no, we're keeping this because this is our cash cow kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, initially hosted by food author Katie Lee, who uh, then quits after the first season so that she can spend time with her family and is replaced by model and author Padma Lakshmi. Lakshmi. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Nice work. I'm trying. Um, And then in 2007 is when we have our second season, and this is when uh, really things start to pick up. It is nominated for two Emmys. Uh, One is for Outstanding Cinematography for Reality Programming, which, if you ask me, that is a narrow category. (laughs) Sure it is. Uh, And then the other was Outstanding Reality Competition Program, which I guess is sort of best in show for the... Well, yeah, and let me tell you, by 2007, there was... A ton of reality programming. Yeah, well, and and I do want to say, uh, 2003 is when the categories for reality programming in the Emmys began. So, mm-hmm. um, just for a little frame of reference there of, of how far along we are into the craze. Well, um, and even and even notice that it's not it's not just reality program; it's outstanding reality competition program. Because now indeed. there's all these different genres beneath the you know subgenres between the genre of uh, reality program. Right. Exactly. Well, and I mean to that point, you know, I, this is why. You know, I, I would say this is re- as far removed from a game show as it is from a reality show like, uh, you know, maybe not Survivor so much, but like like the original, uh, like Big uh, Brother, yeah, or <laughs> like, what was the one? Like on what's MTV? the one with the rose? The Bachelor. The Bachelor is a hundred percent reality. A hundred percent reality. Uh, what was the one on MTV though that like started the whole thing? Like, Real, Real world. world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, 2008 uh, is when it wins the first Emmy that it get uh, was nominated for Outstanding Picture Editing for Reality Programming. Again, a very narrow category and like <laughs> so narrow that how is picture editing different than I mean, I guess I know how picture I, editing is different than cinematography, but like, hey, Mike, Mike, pretty soon you're just going to be happy that you won an Emmy for like outstanding picture of a frog right on Tuesday after 3 p.m. Ext- outstanding <laughs> footprints left in the gravel outside of the shooting location's yeah, parking e- lot. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, um, now, I, just in case anyone's listening who has won an Emmy, please don't think I'm talking down to you. I've never won an no. Emmy. What do I know? I've worked in television right. for 10 years and still have no Emmy to show for it. Um so anyways, uh, you know, obviously, as we can see over the years, we're picking up in popularity. Um, each subsequent series of the show, by the way, is being filmed in a different location. Um, you know, it's always going to be Top Chef Louisiana or Top Chef Los Angeles or wherever it is they're filming, uh, which allows them to let these sort of local flavor influence the challenges and the dishes. Uh, they want to sort of bring in a little bit of that local flair. And like you said, they're going to restaurants where maybe they're getting if they're in Maine, they're getting fresh lobster where in right. Oklahoma. They're not getting that right. They're getting beef in Oklahoma. Exactly. Um, 2009 is when we see the first of just a massive slew of spinoffs. This is Top Chef Masters. And so like you were saying earlier, uh, the clamor to get on this show, um, I think three years in now made us realize, oh, we should have a version of this with prominent award-winning chefs like i was saying earlier Correct. the 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 traditional version of this show is not the gordon ramsay's of the world that's what top chef masters is for this is getting five-star michelin rated chefs in it to do best of the best of the best kind of thing all right all right so here is our this is just the the cavalcade of spinoffs 2010 we have top chef just desserts 
Guess what that one is? It's just about desserts, I'm going to guess. Yes, absolutely. 2010 right. as well. Uh, Top Chef wins the Emmy for Outstanding Reality Competition Program, which, as I said earlier, is basically best in show for reality competition shows. Uh, also notable because it won against Amazing Race that year, which, at mm-hmm. to, as far as that point, Amazing Race was undefeated in the category. Starting in 2003 yep. to 2010, Amazing Race won every single year, until 2010 when Top Chef says, no, we're taking over. Uh, 2011, we have the spinoff Top Chef Healthy Showdown. This is technically a web series, but it focuses on uh, you know health-related dishes, low-calorie, things of that nature. 2012, sure. we have the spinoff Life After Top Chef, uh, which is not necessarily a competition show, but is more of a reality uh, dive into the lives of what happens to the people after they uh, were on Top Chef. Uh, I don't know if it was all people that won specifically, but as you mentioned, even those who don't win, uh, they get a lot of benefits. So I would assume there's probably lots of stories for lots of people that have been on this show. Even like the most hated chefs are sometimes that like that people will catch up with. They want to catch up with them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this guy was a total d bag. Yes. We're still wanting to know what happened to him. Exactly. Uh, 2014, we have the spinoff Top Chef Duels. This is featuring head-to-head competitions. So okay, again, I didn't do a whole big deep dive on this show. I don't know much about it. I could not figure out if this was people on the traditional version of the show versus people on the Top Chef Masters version of the show, or if those would have been two separate episodes, like one is a one-to-one head of traditional people and one is a one-to-one head of Top Chef Masters. I could not figure out which way it goes. Um, either one kind of makes sense to me, um, but the idea is that instead of a you know season-long competition of a pool of people, it's just one-on-one competition who can make the better dish. Um, 2017, we see Top Chef Junior, which apparently started planning as far back as 2008. Um, nobody, or I, again, I say nobody. I couldn't really figure out why. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of information as to why the show that was apparently fully fledged in 2008 just never started. Um, but 2017 is when we finally see that hit the air. Uh, 2018, we get nominated for another Emmy, uh, this time outstanding reality competition category, but it does not win this time. It loses to RuPaul's drag race, unfortunately, which honestly in the competition shows, that one's a pretty good one. Mm, Yeah. Um, and then finally, 2021, this very year, we get two spinoffs, Top Chef Amateurs, which is a step down from the traditional, uh, where we are not even getting people who are sommeliers in restaurants. We're getting, you know, my mom and, you know, yeah, right? home cooking, yeah, ho- yeah. home yeah, cooking. Exactly. exactly. Right. And then there's Top Chef Family Style. Again, it's what it says on the tin. Think Family Double Dare. You got families competing as opposed to just individual chefs um over the span of this time what 20 or 2006 to 2021 um i'm bad at math but during that time there is a ton of merchandising um oh yeah to to keep it brief we have a computer game that seems to be of mixed reviews we have a mobile game that actually seems to be of pretty solid reviews uh we have a trivia board game which board game geek did not have favorable reviews on but i guess if you're a fan (laughs) of the game i mean dude let me tell you what i trust out of all the reviews i trust board game geek 
more than any of the, the other sites that we've looked at. Well, that that's fair. But again, if it's such a niche trivia game... Sure, sure. I guess it's it could for still be people who watch the show yeah. all the time. Exactly. I mean, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was a line of frozen dinners. Uh, there's a line of cookbooks. And there's even an online university, quote unquote. I, I think that sure. term is being used probably pretty collo- colloquially. Uh, yeah, loosely, but yeah. Yeah. Um, there are online courses that you can take to become a, mm-hmm. quote unquote, top chef. Uh, and finally, to wrap it all up, as of September 2021, a few mere months ago, we have confirmation uh, not not even a few mere months, a month ago, uh, we have confirmation for the 19th season, which will be taking place in Houston, Texas. So Top Chef Houston coming soon. Yeah, very cool. Very, very cool stuff. And, and now we should definitely uh, have um, a little discussion about this. Let's and Mike, I know that you definitely feel that this is like very, very far away from a game show and really, really close to a um, to a reality show. And I think that I, I I definitely agree with you. I'm not I'm not dissuading you from that. Um, I definitely see this being like real reality competition. And if it wasn't for the fact that there is competition and there is a top prize, this would fit in way more with The Bachelor than it would <laughs> with The Price Is Right. <laughs> yes. But uh, honestly, I, I'll let you go, and then I'll give you I'll give you my 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 whole thing on this so go ahead because i'm the i'm probably going to be the proponent more than you are sure well i I, i'm going to start as devil's advocate and say what i like and that is i like the the pedigree i like the um the seriousness with which it takes itself i mean obviously it's like a fun competition show and things get ridiculous and all that kind of stuff but again just going back to the gameplay idea of we're not trying to see who does the least worse, right? It is about who can do this very, very well. And I think that provides a lot of, for lack of a better word, legitimacy to a show like this. It's the same reason why I love the great British baking show. Uh, for I mean, obviously there's other reasons there as well, but it's it, just the idea sure. that we're not trying to sabotage people. We just want people to do as well as they can. Um, I think the reality side of this is what makes this less than Great British Baking Show in my mind because it takes away from the the you know uh seriousness or whatever the gravity of making these delicious top tier dishes by adding this unnecessary and really at the end of the day irrelevant aspect to the show great british baking show does not have that sort of you know interpersonal survivor yeah here yeah. to make friends yeah. thing um and i i think it it makes the show better i think that those sorts of things are not inherently bad in a television program specifically a you know competition show like this i think for what this show wants to be which is um Top Chef, right? Um, the the reality show aspect of it is doing it a disservice. Cool. What about you? So my feeling in uh, is this: the, what, in the years that this came out, when it came out, they were they were piggybacking on the drama aspect. There was a ton of reality coming out there, and like, dude, what if we did a cooking show that had all this drama? We put them all in the same house, not unlike a Big Brother. 
uh, or a survivor were on the same island and were voting them off of the island, essentially. So mm-hmm. that's where this all came from. And at the same time, they're like, yeah, but let's let's do it with some real chefs that can showcase their talent, and we'll put a real panel together to judge this thing. So I, I think that although you say it's not living up to the title of Top Chef, I would agree with you, and for the fact that that in order to be a Top Chef, you wouldn't have this kind of stuff. Like, for instance, if you were really truly doing a show that was called Top Chef and was about being a Top Chef, there'd be no time limits, there'd be no ingredient limits, there'd be no challenges, it would simply be cook me the best meal of your life. I Well, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because I think an aspect of being a top chef involves being able to adapt to challenges and, and roadblocks and things like that. Well, in, in all fairness, that's a lot of what those um, quick fire challenges are about. Yes. Sometimes in a kitchen, you're blanket blank, and that's how they preface it. They're like, oh, sometimes you'll find out that you have no milk. Yeah. And the guy got and you're sending your your food runner down to get milk. And in the meantime, you have to prepare six meals. Go. You know, that happens, and they do do that in that respect. I think this developed into something that they didn't think it would because it became so popular. And 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 you'll see that if you watch if you watched five or six seasons, and I think Jenny and I watched probably, I don't know, eight or nine seasons of this, um, you would see that some seasons have more drama than others, and and they do their best to 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 ramp the drama up, as you can definitely imagine. Mm. Um, because they want it to be compelling. You know, they think that that's the compelling part. I mean, that's what sells. Yep. Now, by the way, that's unfortunately not why I watch the show. I don't watch the show for the drama. As a matter of fact, that's why I don't watch the show anymore mm. because I watch the show for the cooking aspect of sure. it. I, and I do love the challenges and I love when someone beats somebody else out and I love all that. I don't like the poo poo on you, poo poo on me kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Agreed. hundred percent. I think it, I, I think it's because. In today's day and age, and especially in 2021, I just want everybody to get along. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know is maybe I'm, maybe that's more idol idolistic or whatever the word is that I'm looking for there. But, but idealistic. But I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't want to see two people going at each other's throats. Um, I want to see them, you know, both put in a hard day's work and present a dish, and one of them wins and one of them doesn't. They shake hands afterwards and say, "Man, that was a great dish you made." You know that sort of thing. Totally, I totally Um, agree with that. The problem with this show is that there's a couple of things that really bother me about it. And one is that if you look at the very end of the show, and not unlike other reality shows, you'll say producers were involved in the elimination of contestants. So it's not always the judge's choice. You're right. The judges come up with their choices, but they work with the producers to decide who goes on. And by the way, those judges' tables, uh, multiple, multiple judges have said, they take hours and hours and hours. Like... Sometimes they'll they'll be debating this for six hours before they bring the chefs back at 11 o'clock at night and they finally do the elimination. That's why the chefs are all like looking half drunk and tired because they've been backstage drinking red wine, hanging out, waiting to see who gets eliminated. Right. I mean, so that that's one thing that bothers me. And and let me tell you what. Then well, the other thing that Top Chef did was they created something called Last Chance Kitchen, which I'm actually glad you didn't touch on, which was a web series. Uh, and what it was was a way for them to bring drama back. So if someone that, that was really, really well-liked got eliminated, they had this Last Chance Kitchen where they would have them go up against the previous person who was eliminated, and that person would hang in. So let's say you were eliminated 
day one on the first show. Mm-hmm. You go in the last chance kitchen, and whoever's eliminated on show number two competes against with show number one. Whoever wins stays in last chance kitchen. Whoever loses goes home, kind of thing. Mm. And then every single eliminated person goes up against in the last chance kitchen up against one person, and then they bring that last chance kitchen winner back. In like the last episode or next to last episode. Interesting. So it was another way for them to create more drama and bring people back. And my big thing with that whole thing is, is like, if you're going to be a true competition show, when you're gone, you're gone. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, I understand that you have things like tournaments of champions where people who lose do get to come back. Um, or you had somebody that was eliminated unfairly in the past on a real game show and they are allowed to come back and recompete kind of thing. I get that. But this whole thing is about drama first. And yeah. it's, that's why it's on Bravo. And that's why it's probably not on the Food Networks, you know, because they're not all about the drama. They're all about the food. And I think that's maybe also why I don't watch it anymore, because I really was watching this, I think, more, more for the food than I was watching it for the drama. And that kind of um, that kind of, you know, turned me off a little bit because it got even more and more drama and I just wanted less and less drama in my life. You know, I don't need to get my anxiety from what I'm watching. <laughs> I have plenty of it at home by myself. <laughs> I could not agree with that more, which is why I've stopped watching horror movies just because it's like, I don't, I don't need to mess with all that anymore. <laughs> exactly right. I will tell you, I've, I've met a few. Um, I was, you know, previously mentioned Kevin Gillespie. I've met him. Um, Richard Blaze, who was eliminated actually from his, I think he was in season three or four, and uh, ended up going coming back and then winning at Top Chef All-Stars and then became a judge. He's the only contestant to come back and be a judge. I met him in Charleston, North Carolina, and actually had an email um, chain back and forth with him for a number of months. And he was really, really great. You would probably know him. He's from Atlanta. You would probably know him from the 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 restaurant Flip Burger that was a oh, big yeah, yeah, one yeah. in Atlanta. He developed the Flip Burger chain, uh, as well as a bunch of other chains in, in the Atlanta area. They... Uh, he is more of a de- developmental chef as opposed to an owner-operator chef, so he goes in and helps people uh, do that. I've sp- spoken to him about it. I've met Stephanie Izard, who's uh, out of uh, Chicago, um, when she came to Vegas, and then Stephen Hopcraft, who actually lives in Vegas and works, uh, or when, when I was in Vegas, worked at STK as their head chef. He and I uh, had multiple conversations about being on the show, and they're like... It was at the time that they were all on, it was like you wanted to do this because it could really set your career on on and up and up. And it was. I mean, I remember going to events in Vegas where they would have one top chef who was eliminated two episodes in and they were the most swarmed chef at the event. That's wild. I mean, I, I you would think that being eliminated that early, you don't get enough camera time. But I mean, if it's the show that's that popular, a little bit of camera time goes a long way. Right. At the time, it really, really was. I mean, there is people who just go out to to eat at, you know, craft steak just because that's Tom Colicchio's restaurant. Right. And he's never there, but they want to eat there because they saw him on Top Chef. Yep. And so it definitely has its place. And I'm glad we got to do it. I don't I again, I don't consider this a true game show. This is definitely a reality competition show. And this is more on the reality side Although there is a lot of competition, it is way more reality than it is true game show. You know what I'm saying? So 100%. this is this is definitely, although it has a game show element, this would be like, I agree with you wholeheartedly, one of the furthest away from game shows. So one final point that I just, I, I couldn't get out of my head and I have to bring up somewhere, might as well be here. Sure. I don't, don't want to spend sure. too much time on it, but elevator, okay. elevator pitch, 
What is the difference between this and MasterChef? I don't know MasterChef. Okay, that's the one that Gordon Ramsay and that other bald guy host. Um, but I'd, I'd have to look. I'd have to look it up. So far as I can tell, it's exactly the same show. And it may be. Um, you know, one of the other things, like again, we talk about you know doing it for the for the food as opposed to the drama. Like Gordon Ramsay, it was fun watching the first couple episodes of him going in for like kitchen nightmares. It was fun watching those first couple of episodes, and then I started being like, oh, like. I don't think I want to watch this anymore because these people don't know how to run restaurants, which drives me crazy to begin with. And then he yells at everybody, which also drives me crazy. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love that show. And also what Hotel Hell and 24 Hours to Hell and Back. Do you watch Bar Rescue also? I've never seen Bar Rescue. Is that Gordon Ramsay? No, it's somebody else. Oh, okay. Uh, so you just love Gordon Ramsay, which is what you're saying. Basically. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have to check out that show. But but the thing is, like, I love specifically those three shows. Like, I don't really care much about his, like, the F word or the, the MasterChef. Uh, Crystal was a big fan of MasterChef, but... Um, I, I specifically like the shows where it's like one of the most well-renowned chefs in the world butting heads with some schmo who has no clue what they're doing. <laughs> well, I, I think I think what what I will tell you is this, is that he did a National Geographic show. It was on, I want to say on Discovery, maybe, or it was on Nat Geo, where he went around the world meeting all these chefs and um and learning their local cuisine and having to prepare a dish for like the local natives and it was the most endearing show because this is the Gordon Ramsay that's normally yelling at everybody and he was being put in his place by these local chefs from around the world now that i would like to see the name of the show is Gordon Ramsay Uncharted and it is on Nat Geo check it out if you can it it there's been 3 seasons of it and Jen and i don't miss uh, an episode of it. I mean, we just think it's great. You know, um, I also knew Robert Irvine, who did Restaurant Impossible for a long period of time. Um, I got to meet him a couple of times on Hilton Head because he had a restaurant there. And it's it's another thing with a lot of drama, and he's you know you know screaming and yelling, and and to me uh, that sometimes takes takes away from what what it, it's supposed to be about, but. I will say this about Gordon Ramsay with that with the night, kitchen nightmares, he is really straightening those places out, and most of them go right back to where they were. Well, and that's that's the like one of the best things is when they do the like follow up, and it's like, oh no, yeah, they four months later they closed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't find it right now. I'm trying to check, but if it's uh, Nat Geo, I assume it's got to be on Disney Plus. So I'm gonna have to check that. Oh, hey, look, there it is, Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. Sweet. I'm going to check this out. That sounds great. It is a fantastic show, Mike. You're going to love it. Um, it it's just, plus it's the most, you know, these beautiful locations around the mm. world where he's just seeing, I mean, the cinematography is absolutely stellar. I think you'll get a, a real, real charge out of that. But what about picture editing? Uh, it may have won an Emmy for picture editing. I don't know. But only on Thursday afternoons between the hours of three and five. Right, right. Of course. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, Mike. I mean, I think we went beyond time, but uh, we have I I like when we talk about the sort of why of the show as much as the what. Oh, absolutely. And I and I think there's a lot of discussions on a lot of these shows that we actually didn't have because we rated. And instead of just talking about that's a very good point what the show was about, which I think we, we get a lot a lot more of now that we're not rating anymore. I, I like it a lot. Well, maybe we'll have to do some uh, revisiteds later in a oh, future I like season. It. 
I like it. I like it. Anyways, thank you so much, Tom, for your time. Thank you so much, Christian and Buzzer Blog, for the news. Thank you to everyone who has ever been on Top Chef for uh, existing. Um, thank you to our special interviewees coming up soon. And cool. thank you to you for listening. Tune in again next time. We're going to bring you the latest and greatest and, of course, a couple of great interviews coming up uh, with a brand new featured show, too. And, of course, we're always on social. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and 24-7 at TellThemWhatThey've Yes, Mike stays up extra late just to answer emails from Tell Them What They Want. It's true. It's true. <laughs> please, please subscribe, share, like, and drop a review if you like what you heard. And if you don't like it i take your knives and go i was gonna say i hope you're is that what they say yeah uh, okay. <laughs> that's that stuff if you don't like it take your knives and go <laughs> i think it's pack up your knives and go but it doesn't yeah, matter it's suffice it to say we're good we'll see you next week mike bye tom you've been listening to america's favorite game show podcast tell them what they've won a JTEC audio production, copyright 2021. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Mike, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that the fancy food festival thing, the Aspen Food and Wine Festival, it's now called okay. the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. Oh, uh, well, yeah. you know, and, and that's uh, on my bucket list to go to at some point. But it's like, I, I think it's like, I don't know, something ridiculous, like $250 for like a night or something. Is oh, it? Do, I mean, is that all you can eat, though? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, dude. No, that's not. That does not sound expensive. I mean, I, I, uh, now that I don't drink, it probably wouldn't. I mean, it may be worth it, but I right. I could easily eat and drink $250 worth of food and booze. Well, God bless you. <laughs> you, you, you can do better than I can. I, I, I will make it worth my while. Trust me. <laughs> I love it. I totally <laughs> The end of the night, it. just cramming <laughs> olives into my mouth. <laughs> You've got like a, a fanny pack just shoveling shrimp into it. Like, I'm getting my money's worth, man. <laughs> you didn't say I couldn't take it home. Oh, my God. Uh, anyways, what'd you learn, Tom? I learned through us having these conversations that I learned why I, I don't watch any of these uh, drama shows anymore. Uh, these food shows. And, and I honestly feel it's like my wife and I got away from the shows that are like kind of like more drama and less cooking and we watch shows now that are more about the food and the locations and the heritage than we do watching the shows that are about competition where it's all about the drama we still like a good cutthroat kitchen every once in a while but it's a one episode thing and it's fake drama pro, pro, you know pushed on by the producers but like something that's long like this is just it's not in our wheelhouse anymore yeah well i just the idea of being stressed out while watching TV doesn't appeal to me anymore. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's with us getting older, or maybe that's just a sign of the times in America, or, or what. But I agree. A frothy combination of both, I'd say. Copyright 2021, a JTEC audio production. <laughs> <laughs>